What's up, everybody, and welcome to VGM Generations. I'm Mike Posbon, and with me, as always, is Aaron Blauchuk and Jordan Belinsky. Hello. Those that don't know, VGM stands for Video Game Music, and we are taking you through the generations. Basically, once a month, three friends with varied gaming backgrounds get together and take you through some of their favorite music from the games they love. This month's episode, we're talking about handheld hits. So, last one. Handheld hits. Handheld hits. Uh, <laughs> last uh, month, as if you remember, was our greatest hits across all console, home consoles. Um, this time we're doing handheld hits. Which but means Nintendo. Yes, yeah, so, and uh, <laughs> we ended up picking all Nintendo songs. So, um, as we talked about in the first podcast, we have a little bit of Nintendo bias here, but, uh, and that kind of shone through in this one. But were there any good Game Gear games? Maybe people who are listening want to submit some. Yeah. Maybe expand, our, expand our horizons a bit. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah, PSP, Vita, Game Gear, you know, a bunch of other handheld stuff, but... Nintendo, they did it right. Yeah. They dominated and, and the handheld generation from beginning till end, so... Yeah, they've, they've always dominated it, so... So, um, jumping right into it, uh, one of my picks for this was from the Game Boy. And uh, my pick for Game Boy was from Pokemon Red and Blue, uh, my first Game Boy game. What? what? I've never heard of the game before. No. Well, let me tell you. New to me. Pokemon, Pokemon yes. <laughs> the Pokemans. Uh, Pokemon Red and Blue uh, was my first Pokemon game. It, it came out when I was in elementary. I don't remember exactly what grade I was in when it came out, but uh, it was... <laughs> every kid had it. I was in university, you youngin. Were you? Yeah. No, you weren't. Jesus. Yeah, I remember sitting... <laughs> You're old. I, rem- <laughs> I remember sitting in the portables. Like, our school had... Um, basically, when the school got too big, instead of building more school, they just basically took, like, sea cans, turned them into classrooms, and bolted them onto the, onto the school uh, at the oh, exit doors. The yeah, basically. And, uh, and uh, we used to sit inside during recess, and uh, that year, just everybody all of a sudden had a Game Boy Color, is what everybody had. Um, and it was that, the clear purple. Game Boy Color, and everybody had Pokemon. That was the first game everybody got. And uh, I remember one of the kids in my class handed me his Game Boy, and I just tried it for like five minutes. And like, that was the moment. And I I came home and I was like, Mom, I I need a Game Boy Color. I I have to add a point to that, actually, is that speaking of the, uh, that crystal clear sort of purpley Game Boy that came out, is that that was the Game Boy Color I had as well. And I actually customized mine by buying from some sort of Nintendo wholesaler a Pokemon screen. So there was like this custom Pokemon Game Boy that came out, and it had a unique screen with uh, Pikachu and Togepi on it, and the power light was around a little Pokeball. And so I actually used this kit to remove the standard screen and replace it with this. Oh, so it, was, it wasn't just like an overlay, it was the whole screen It wasn't screen just itself. an overlay, it was this actual screen. It was the screen oh, piece wow. that actually fit into the thing. So uh, yeah, I actually had this custom hybrid Game Boy color that I'd built that was Pokemon specific and unique. Nobody else had that. One. Was that was that from the Play It Loud era? It was. I I don't know. No, no. Play It Loud. I think is when they started doing neon colors. Okay. That yeah. Was the Game Boy, right? That was the Game Boy the Game color. Boy yep. Color, yeah. It sure was. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I didn't uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that you could actually like go in and replace the screen. I thought you just meant like a sticker. 
Because I do, I do actually remember the Game Boy you're talking about. Yeah. Like, I remember that, that Pokemon Game Boy. Yeah. yeah. It's a glass piece, and they gave you basically this, like, super adhesive thing, and you have to, like, stick it on there, and you peel the whole, like, glass part off, oh, okay. and then replace it. Pulling and off an iPhone glass. It, it's totally yeah. like that. And, you know, you have to do it in a completely dust-free environment, or you've wrecked your Game right. Boy forever. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That an official Nintendo product? It was an official Nintendo product. That seems very un-Nintendo like to have. Well, it used to be there. Uh, at least here locally, there used to be like your local authorized dealer Nintendo and repair dealer. person. Yeah, 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 and I remember where it was. It was down like where sort of Deerfoot Meadows is, and there was actually like a little shop down there. It's like we repair your Sega and your Nintendo with official parts, kind of stuff. So, okay, very yeah. that is cool. And that's that's where I got it. It was actually like official part from this official part supplier kind of thing. Oh, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, so. So the song I picked um, is the Battle versus Wild Pokemon theme. So it's it's kind of the first song you hear the first time you get, not the first song you hear in the game, but the first time you actually encounter a Pokemon, which is in red and blue. Is, is it a Pidgey? I think so. So anyway, so that's my pick. And uh, let's have a listen. I have to say the Game Boy, the original Game Boy, taught me about stereo sound. Like, stereo sound yeah. wasn't on my radar. Like, I, and I was a kid when the Game Boy came out. Yeah. And I didn't really think about it. I didn't use headphones a lot. I think the first pair of headphones I got came with my Game Boy. Oh. And so putting that in, like listening to Tetris for the first time, was like the fact that there's two channels and they're doing different things and it like fade back and forth. And when I get to my song, it's like a specific thing. It's that the whole series, the Final Fantasy Legend series, taught me about how good stereo sound could be and the way it like shifts through channels. So sometimes it's like starting here and it'll fade through and come yeah. through the center and then yeah. off to the side and like it's like traveling around you. And I didn't know about I didn't know about stereo sound. Well and when you played Game Boy as a kid, chances are you probably played with headphones at mm -hmm. some point too. And that's a little different than listening to regular music on your Walkman, you know, yeah. when you're a kid because um, listening to chip tunes you really hear the sound bouncing around left and right a exactly. lot more clear when it's a chip tune. Exactly. exactly. And you listen to stuff and like you're recording stuff in your Walkman and it's all on like tape and the, the stereo sound never really came through very, very clear or anything like that. And you're right, it kind of blended together a little more. But yeah, the sort of clarity of the chip tune thing is that the separation was so distinct that you, you couldn't miss it. Absolutely, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really, I don't know if I just didn't notice it when I was a kid or what, but like I didn't understand stereo sound until much later till I think I think my dad might have pointed out to me or maybe he just gave me like a decent 
pair of he had an old pair of Sennheisers with the or like orange foam mm-hmm. <coughs> that was seemed to be on everything back in the like in the eighties. But um, and I just think I, I remember listening to a track and the track just had very separate channels right off the bat, and I was like, "Whoa, you can address each ear independently!" Like, and it just yeah, it was kind of a, a revelation, but. Yeah, it wasn't until much later that I understood it. But now when I go back and listen to it, you, you do really hear it. And it's like, wow, that's, that's great. Man. And I, I can't exactly remember. I can't remember when the Game Boy came out. But I'm pretty sure that I had a Game Boy before I had a Walkman. So that was oh, that yeah. was probably my introduction to that. Before that, it was probably listening to uh, records on my parents' giant like tabletop record player. That's how old I am. Big tabletop record player. Well, you know, you mentioned your moment there where you played the Game Boy for the first time. Yeah. and. You know, my first pick for the generation of the Game Boy, I had a similar experience. I remember it was my birthday one year, and I was fairly young as well. I don't recall actually asking for a Game Boy. And like most things I got when I was a kid, I probably didn't even know what it was until I opened it as a present. So I got the Game Boy one year for my birthday thinking, this thing is cool. Like, I can play video games over on the couch and, like, walk around, go to the cabin, all that fun stuff. And of course, you know, it comes packaged with a game or two. You get it. It's your it's my birthday, right? So I gotta get a couple games. Uh, at the time, Tetris was the pack-in game, and another game never heard of this character called Kirby. It was the first time I ever heard of it. And uh, Kirby's Dreamland. So uh, going into my first pick, I have a little song from that game. Uh, it is the Float Islands theme from Kirby's Dreamland, my first experience playing Game Boy. Let's take a listen. was the pack-in yeah. and then I thought it made, I thought it made sound that you actually got Kirby too and I'm like what the hell no no I got uh, yeah Tetris was Tetris was the pack-in and on the side I got Kirby's Dreamland and uh, yeah it was kind of a bit of a blur you know opening them up and I'm like I had never heard of Tetris or Kirby I I wasn't as young as you but I was also pretty young and it was probably elementary school. The Game Boy was brand new, though. Yeah. Was it the original Game Boy? Like original brick. brick yeah. Original brick. I still have that Game Boy, and it has all these flashy, tacky stickers <laughs> that I put on when I was probably 
11 or 12. Yeah. Um, they all say my name, yeah. Jordan, like 100 times all over the Game Boy. All these really fun things I, all over. I, I, on, the, on that note too, first I have to say the Game Boy was awesome because it came with like it came with batteries, it came with headphones, it came with a game, it came with, it came with everything. It came with the link cable for that four-player games that only like two things came out. It was like baseball and some Formula One racing, and, the, and that was it. And it came with a, an adapter so you could plug it in when you didn't have batteries. It wasn't a charger, but if you if your batteries were dying or you didn't have four uh, AA batteries, you could plug it into the wall. Yeah. And just awesome. play without batteries. And also, I was just going to mention that uh, also on your point that you still have your original Game Boy. And I don't know if I've maybe mentioned this to you guys before, but I, I don't still have my original Game Boy. It's because one year I decided to take my Game Boy and about half of my Game Boy games, so a good chunk of them, and I did, you know, that Operation Christmas Child thing where you pack up oh, man. the box and you ship it overseas. Yeah. And I did that. And you know, yeah, yeah, nice gesture and all that kind yeah, of fun but stuff, but I regretted it ever since. Life. I miss my Game Boy. Oh, I miss those cool. games. I had this game called Boomer's Adventure in Asmic World, which was the dumbest name ever, but it was, I, I, I miss that Game Boy a lot. Yeah. So I hope that, I hope it made it into the hands of some kid and that kid super appreciated uh, it. You just gotta, you just yeah. have to tell yourself that that yeah. kid is like, was the happiest kid ever. Totally. Maybe, and, uh, maybe it made its way to some retro gamer who's like 30 or 40 years old and he's sitting at home playing it right now yeah yeah exactly yeah i have one more point because you mentioned the stickers on your game boy is that i don't i didn't put a lot of stickers i had a sticker on my original game boy just said canada it's nothing like that but on my game boy color the purple one with the uh, pokemon screen i had uh one sticker on it on the back and it was a shot of jigglypuff from pokemon snap that I printed out in one of those Blockbuster stations when uh, Blockbuster Video had that oh, thing yeah, 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 where yeah, you yeah. get the little cards and you could take your Pokemon Snap cartridge yeah. into Blockbuster, plug it in the thing, and print off a sheet of stickers. That was the greatest shit ever. <laughs> but I still have like some of those stickers. Yeah. yeah. Still. still. So, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. I have them from um, Stadium. Stadium was the other game that I worked with. And I have, I have them from Stadium, and I used to stick them on my Wiimotes. So I knew which one was mine. Um, the one other thing I wanted to mention about Game Boy, I know we're still going to be on the topic, but um, even though that was my first Game Boy that I owned, that wasn't actually my first experience with Game Boy. Um, my first ex- experience with Game Boy was actually one of my first experiences with gaming. And it was um, a really good friend of my dad's, uh, when the original Game Boy came out, bought one. He was kind of that businessman on the bus every morning like uh, demographic that they were aiming for. And... Um, and he bought one, and he got the Tetris pack in. And we used to go to their house uh, fairly frequently for dinner. And uh, every time we went over, the question was, "Where's the Game Boy? Can I play it?" And and uh, and um, yeah, that was that was one of my formative experiences with gaming. Um, was that was playing Tetris on that Game Boy? So and you know te- the great the greatest thing about Tetris, the reason it, it is you know the legacy, the, it has the legacy that it has is it really is fun for just about anyone like almost anyone can understand and play tetris oh so me okay so uh i my my first pick is an original game boy um piece as well and uh so there's a series on the original game boy called final fantasy legend and it's called final fantasy legend but it's not really final fantasy thing is is that there's a series in japan called saga and uh, this was actually what the series was, but Saga wasn't a marketable name in the West. So when they brought it over here, they rebranded it with Final Fantasy name because people had actually heard of that. So Final Fantasy Legend is what that became. And this, and the music in that game was, you know, it's not that sort of upbeat tempo, a lot of percussion kind of stuff. It's, it was a little more orchestral, but that whole soundtrack was like 
the soundtrack of my youth. It really stuck with me. It's one of those things where you're like, I can't play the piano, but I got to learn how to play this song on the on the piano. Yeah, yeah. And also on top of that is that series was the one that uh, taught me about stereo sound as well, because the whole intro, you put that in, and it has this sort of call and response musical thing where the theme starts, and it starts in the left side. So it'll play the just the part of the theme, and then it'll do a response on the right-hand side, and then it'll do the call oh, and then a response. And it was very separated channel, and, and that's the way that game actually started. And that's what sort of, I could even point back at that and saying, like, that taught me about stereo sound, that, taught, that got me into gaming music in general, because that's the first music in a game that I really paid attention to and said, this is great music, I want to listen to this outside of the game kind right, of thing. Yeah. So anyway, this is, uh, all that said, this is called Theme from Another Dimension from Final Fantasy Legend 3, which is a saga 3. And uh, one other thing I have to say about 3 is that it kind of changed up the music as well. So the music was, in the first two, was much more orchestral. In the third one, it got a little more, like, rock pop heavy. It threw down, like, more percussion and became this more, like, poppy jazzy. So this one is much more up-tempo than the other... uh, Final Fantasy Legend games, but I like this one, and you'll notice it when you listen to it, is that it's got some great stereo stuff that shifts from channel to channel, so this is definitely a headphones, headphones in kind of thing. So this is Theme from Another Dimension from Final Fantasy Legend 3 for the Game Boy. So, on the topic of great Game Boy music, I have a composer by the name of Alberto Jose Gonzalez, and uh, he's been composing since before before Nintendo uh, Game Boy. He was kind of a ZX Spectrum MSX, you know, that kind of Commodore, very super uh, super chip tune sounding, you know, computer type music. Right? He brings that to the Game Boy and. Pretty much any Nintendo console he's ever composed for. So he had a good like foundation before he got into it, and it like made him also heads above every other composer. Yeah, yeah. Like when you listen to his kind of music, it doesn't really sound like Nintendo music. It sounds more like computer music, like okay. like uh, uh, what do you call it? Like key gen type yeah, stuff. Yeah. If you're ever into that <laughs> sort of thing, which none none of us are, but if you've ever heard that kind of like really old school computer sounding music, that, yeah. that's what this guy does. Yeah. And it translated really well to the Game Boy because the Game Boy had a really interesting sound chip. Like to me, I, I can't say for sure, but it sounds like Nintendo, but maybe just beefed up a little bit. And I don't know if a lot of people really pushed the Game Boy sound chip as far as they could, but you listen to some of his stuff and it sounds pretty solid. Yeah, the people who did Game Boy, who really knew how to use the Game Boy chip, did it so well that I would actually say, in the most part, I loved the sound chip on the Game Boy more than I loved it on the NES. Well, right? the NES was mono, and yeah. you know, Game Boy, we yeah. just talked about you exactly. know stereo, the whole, the whole stereo thing, and yeah. just the yeah. things you could get out. And there's a lot of good chiptune artists today that you know, NES is sort of the default because everyone heard about it. Some of my favorite chiptune artists work 
in game, the Game Boy space, right? And that's a big thing. Even like live performers of chiptunes, they'll like use a Game Boy to perform live, or the chipset from the Game Boy to yeah. perform. Yeah, like that's uh, a big thing. Right? Anamanaguchi. Yeah, yeah. I think they use Game Boy. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So I would encourage you to listen to anything by uh, Alberto Jose Gonzalez. He's done a lot of Game Boy, Game Boy Color. Um, mostly in those two uh, consoles, but a little bit in Nintendo as well. Anyways, we're going to take a listen to one of my favorite tracks by him, uh, a game called Metal Masters. It came out in 1993, and uh, it's pretty much the only song on the whole cartridge, but when you hear it, you know, you'll forgive it. It's <laughs> If you hear the song the whole entire game, I think that's all right. Let's take a listen.
the actual soundtrack has three different songs. And the only difference is how they start, but essentially this is the song that plays on all three tracks. They just intro differently. Yeah, he he was good at like replicating instruments in an age where people like were still probably trying to figure it out. They couldn't coax it, like synthesized instruments out of the Game Boy as well as somebody who had this sort of experience. Right? Yeah, yeah. And if you think about the time that this game came out, 1993, like dance music was pretty big at that time. <laughs> and I know like I don't know about you guys, but I grew up listening to some of like the dance mix compilation yeah. tapes. Um, and I, you know, if this was made into like um, with real instrumentation, this kind of music, I can see people rocking out to this at the club. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned key gen, and like this is absolutely a key gen song, right? I, I hear that. Like, sure. And his other music, like this is probably the most like um, dance sounding music that he does, but a lot of his other stuff sounds even more key gen, more Commodore 64 sounding. So yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. It's a good sound. It's a good sound. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, if I were to listen to this just without any context, I wouldn't know Game Boy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wouldn't say Game Boy to me. No, I actually, I agree. Yeah. I think if, yeah, if someone just played me the song, they're like, this is a sweet song. And it's not just how it sounds, <laughs> but also the style. Like this kind of a dancey beat. You don't really get that. Usually it's more like it has to fit the theme of the game. Like you're on an adventure. It needs to be more of a rock song. Yeah. Or, or What an, is the theme of this game? Like what is this game? Uh, so Metal Masters is robots fighting. You're, it's kind of like a mech um, upgrading system where you go from level to level fighting other robots, okay. and every time you beat the robot, you get an upgrade. Um, you just like you add power to like your arms and legs and your body, and you keep fighting, and you just go from level to level fighting other robots. It's kind of like a side-scrolling fighter type game. Some sort of man who might have mega powers and sort of yeah, other well, mega powers. Not, <laughs> not necessarily that style, but yeah, I, I, I could see the similarities. It's more so based on like one-on-one, more like one-on-one fighting uh, without there being much of a level to it. It's more just like you and another robot fighting it out. Hmm. And, and you're right, like this sounds like a standalone song. It's not necessarily like thematic to the game. It's more like... I just wrote this awesome song, and you can put it in your game yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it kind of like, feels like that. Yeah. They they just heard what he was doing, and they were like, yeah. do something like that for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just do whatever. And and I would even say this. like This sounds like the sort of stuff that a current chiptune artist would make. Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. Yeah, in that way, it's it's extremely like uh, forward-thinking, if you yeah. will, or, you know, kind of past its time. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So is it back to me, then? Back to whoever has the next generation, but we should probably mention that we're going to skip a generation. Or do we not want to talk about that? Or are we going to just kind of glaze over that and move on? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Let's do it now. So, so, um, for this podcast, we did a little different. So on our last podcast, we went through generation by generation through all the, uh, well, through the five most modern console generations. This generation, we... We had to talk about it before, and we decided that um, instead of sticking to that that kind of hard and fast rule, we were just going to pick three favorites each from any of the generations. And uh, one of the main reasons for doing that was uh, we had to listen to quite a bit. Of, well, me personally, and I know these guys too, uh, had to listen to quite a bit of Game Boy Advance music. 
and we all kind of unanimously <laughs> agreed that it doesn't sound that good. Um, <laughs> Feel free to disagree with us and like send us examples of good stuff. Absolutely, yeah. If you if you have something where you're like, you guys are full of it, this song, this music is amazing. It sounds as good as it could sound. Feel free to send it my way, but I couldn't find anything. I found things that I thought were acceptable, but nothing that I thought was great. Well, our general thought was basically that, you know, it's just that the chip in the, the sound chip in the Game Boy Advance yeah. just wasn't very good. You had a very compressed sounding music. Even the games which like we consider like some of the greats of Nintendo, things like Metroid, Fusion and some of the Donkey Kong games. The Donkey Kong games. It just it didn't sound good it coming samples. out of that chip. Yeah. It samples a lot of instrumentation that it couldn't really handle on the console, so you get a lot of compression sound. Yeah. yeah. It just feels like they kind of overreached themselves. Like they were they were trying to get they were trying to get to that like C D kind of quality. They were you know they were trying to make that jump, but they just didn't have the the horsepower to do it. Yeah. yeah, and it proves to me that music just wasn't their focus, and I know I mentioned this to you guys earlier, is that the weird thing about, the, there was the original sort of soap bar um, Game Boy Advance, the original one that came out yeah. that did, had no light in the screen. Yeah, yeah. And then when the clamshell design came out, the SP came out, they actually removed the uh, headphone jack from it, Together, yeah. which was which was crazy. I mean, you had to get an adapter that plugged into the... Uh, the link port, yeah, to actually put headphones in it, which is which is bizarre and insane, but yeah. it just shows it, it just shows to me that music wasn't really the priority of that system because which which now that we talk about it now it feels like kind of a weird step for Nintendo because they seem to in a lot of ways prioritize music in a lot of their consoles. You know, they seem to um, really understand that how how much impact music has on games and stuff like that. And for for that Game Boy Advance to just go. Yeah. Well, it's weird because we were talking about the Game Boy earlier and how it was actually packed in with headphones. Like, obviously, yeah. it was important to them at yeah. one point. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, that's all these things. It's like Game Boy with stereo sound, yeah. and I'm pretty sure it showed, like, a guy in the front who was, like, listening to his stereo sound. Game Boy Advance, not important. But uh, uh, all of that said, I actually almost, almost put a Game Boy Advance track on my selections, and we're not going to play it, but, uh, you know, it's the Advance Wars series, the first Advance Wars, yeah. Andy's theme, which is sort of like the unofficial, you know, theme of the game, kind of, and, yeah. and that's a good song, well, despite the thing being is, there, there's good songs. There there's, are, there's good and even great songs on the Game Boy Advance, but they just don't sound very good because they couldn't, they couldn't do everything they wanted to do with them, right? Yeah. Like, had those all those games been on the DS instead... We would have picked them they because because they were they're great tunes like you know if you played them on a piano or if you played them on a, a violin or anything like that you'd be like yeah that's a well good written song. music it just didn't sound right it just when didn't it was sound right when it's that compressed yeah. yeah and you couldn't like rip it straight off the cartridge and have it be like well now it's clear and it's crystal like it was just compressed on the cartridge yeah, and so yeah, you know no you rip it clean right off the actual cartridge off the ROM and it still sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> and, like garbage. and honestly, we're all picking our favorite songs, and it just so happened that none of us picked something from that. From that uh, generation, right? yeah, it's not like no, it's not like I don't have a huge pile of Game Boy Advance games at yeah, home because I absolutely do. But yeah. Yeah. so, all that being said, we're jumping to the DS, and uh, and my uh, pick for the DS, uh, my first pick is a Zelda game, uh, Legends of Zelda: Spirit Tracks, and uh, <laughs> and uh, it's the Overworld theme from that game. So, um, I. I haven't played this game extensively. I'll, I'll admit that right here. Uh, it, keep looking at me, Mike. Why are you looking at me? We, okay. <laughs> I, I keep looking at Aaron because he mentioned that it's the song I picked is the only good track in the it's game. It's not the only good track. It's the only good thing about Spirit Tracks. <laughs> the theme from Spirit Tracks is the only good thing from Spirit Tracks. 
That was that game was bunk. I'm a huge Zelda fan. That game was garbage. Yeah. So uh, to be fair, I haven't played it that much. I only uh, my girlfriend has it. Uh, she lent it to me. I played it a bit. I I also stopped playing it because I didn't like it that much. Yeah. But this theme is still great. Yeah, I uh, and I do have to say, like, I'm allowed to hate it because I beat that game. I put in my time. Oh, yeah, no. I beat that game, but it took away the best part about Zelda and, like, the open world exploring, and it put that game on rails, literally on rails. And, like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. When I don't have an over, overworld, I know it took you to different areas and kind of explore those, but it was very, very linear. The thing is, I, I want the open yeah. world where I can, like, ride across a field and bomb a wall and explore a cave and do all this kind of stuff. And the fact is I had to travel around this world on a train. Drove me crazy. Yeah. Well, it it took a little bit away of what makes Zelda Zelda. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like the the unknown, like the sort of exploration of the unknown. And the fact that you could come across anything. Where here you're not like coming across anything. I'm going to a specific destination. And on the way there, I'm not likely to encounter anything except the same rabbits that I can shoot at with my cannon a million times. There was never anything that like got in the way of the tracks and you'd have to stop and see well, what was going on. Yeah, I mean, there was sort of like riding the train was kind of like a mini game where you'd like have to shoot your cannon at, at enemies and you had to like slow down at corners. Like you'd be coming up to a corner and you had to like slow down kind of stuff. So there's a little bit of that. And I will say, okay, I was wrong. There's one other good thing about Spirit Tracks. One is the theme song, yep. and the second thing is the fact that you can just blow your whistle whenever the hell you want. <laughs> so ri- your, writing, the, writing down the thing, and that theme is playing, and it's like it's it's got good music, and it's chugging yeah. along, and you just like blow your whistle. I I admit I got a thrill from that the first time I, I did it, but after that, like the the train stuff became. That's a little advanced, you know, because uh, I believe we talked about this in the past. How in Twilight Princess you couldn't howl. Anytime you want it. That, that was like, uh, Twilight Princess, like going from my least favorite game, Spirit Tracks, to my most favorite Zelda game, which yeah. is Twilight Princess. Yeah. And that's always been my only critique of Twilight Princess, is that like, I love the whole game, everything about it, the only thing it needs is the ability to howl whenever the hell you want about it. It's like, if I'm running through the field at night, and I'm like running, and I defeat a bunch of enemies, and I crest a hill, I just want to stop and howl at the moon for no reason at all, and they yeah. could have put that in there as just a context. Leash my animal kind of. instincts. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, like th- that would have that would have made the game just icing on the cake of already great. Maybe games. with the HD remaster, we'll get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Nintendo, yeah, it's be, not too late. You that'll can be the it. added feature right up top. So, but all that being said, uh, here is the overworld theme for uh, Legend of Zelda: Spirit Tracks.
the sort of driving nature of it, it's good. Yeah, yeah. It, it just it's like thematically, it's fantastic, right? It totally fits in. It's like even if even if you gave uh, someone who had never played this game, who doesn't play games, this song and had to listen to it and just listen to the song and like, I swear, if you ask them like, what does that make you think of? They'd be like. I kind of feel like I was on a train. Like, yeah, it, just, yeah, it, it, it does. It, it's, it's thematically great. It totally fits in with the action, and it's the song that plays every time you're like riding the train, yeah. and it is, it is good, but yeah. you know, that's... <laughs> you, you can't save the game. It fits in in the same way that uh, the sailing theme in Wind Waker fits in. Yeah, it yeah. makes you feel like you're adventuring, and you're doing exactly what you're doing. Like, yeah, and I wanted to say that, like, about, yeah, how it is just like Wind Waker, like, that Wind Waker theme is so, so good. Like, when you're sailing, man, it just makes you happy. And yeah, this well, is the same thing. It just makes you happy. When you're doing that, you're, you're listening to that, you're on the crest of your boat, you've got the rudder behind you, yeah. the spray's coming off, and you feel it. Like, you feel the wind in your face, yeah. and you feel, like, the spray yeah. coming up. And they've managed to tie those things together so well yeah. that you're yeah. right. Like, that, traveling the overworld was great in that. And, like, even... Early on, traveling the overworld was fun just because of this theme and how like it felt like trains. But you know, yeah. I like trains, but don't don't ruin my Zelda. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't have the longevity kind of yeah. of, the, of the Wind Waker one. But yeah, yeah, and that was the thing. Is like even though the world, like in Wind Waker, the world was kind of sparse. You had this big ocean, and a lot of it was just empty ocean. But yeah. you know, it still felt good it still felt like you could go anywhere and do anything you like stop yeah. here drop anchor change yeah. direction like stop look with your spyglass see an island way in the distance like all that stuff felt like that exploring that i love in zelda where it's like i see a rock in the distance i'm gonna go there not yeah. like i gotta be in my train and i gotta hit a switch and i gotta divert the tracks and yeah. now i just gotta wait could you not get off the train and go exploring or were you stuck on the tracks? you're stuck on the train and you have to get off at a station you can't get you can't stop and get off anywhere only at a station so it's like islands or worlds or, or what have you. And I was going to say is like, maybe that's the, the kind of travesty of this song almost in a way is that it is such an adventuring, exploring theme, but you can't do that. Like you can't, you can't adventure, you can't explore yeah. like you would in any other Zelda game. And maybe that's why that Wind Waker one is elevated just that little bit more is that it's an adventuring theme and you're adventuring. You're out there, you're in the wide blue ocean, you know, like you said, you got that spray coming and it's just, you're, 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 it's up to you and you can control the wind even and you can go wherever you want to go. Whereas this is, it's a great theme. It's a, an adventuring theme, but you're on those tracks. Part of what elevates these songs to be a little bit better is any sort of memory or tie-in yeah, with the actual gameplay of the game. All right. So yeah, that's it for, uh, that's it for our spirit tracks. And next, on to the next song. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, now I have a DS pick, and uh, this one is by uh, Level 5, which is a studio that's getting a lot of like acclaim lately for their current series, Yokai Watch, which yep. I know nothing about, but is taking the world by storm, yeah. apparently. That's, yeah, like, po very Pokemon-like in the fact that you collect these Yokai around the world, and I'm not yeah. going to talk about it because I haven't played it. So I Yeah, I just read a little article, and they're like, it's Pokemon Plus. So Anyway, Level 5, and this is... Um, from the uh, DS game Professor Layton in the Cur Curious Village. Uh, most people have probably heard, if you play games, you've heard of the Professor Layton series. There's a lot of games in that series spilling over onto the uh, 3DS now as well. And uh, th this Curious Village was the first game in that series. And uh, I, I, I just love puzzle games, the quirky characters, the cool art style, and the music in there, which is very unique. Even though I have to say, I was doing when I was doing a little bit of research on the game, it says reviews on the soundtrack were mixed, being called repetitive and bland. 
which <laughs> which which is harsh. But this is my pick. I mean, I, it had good music. Yes, it was repetitive, and it was you know why it was repetitive, and people say that is because every puzzle had almost the same music, and you could be stuck in a puzzle for hours, right? And you're gonna hear that again and again and again. It's kind of the it's kind of you could level that against almost any puzzle game. Yeah, yeah, and I like the chimes. I just like the the, the feel of it because I, I don't know. Like I guess Professor Layton takes place in modern times, but it have, had almost an old Victorian kind of feel to it. Yes. And the thing is, is, despite being like this British guy and his little ward, Luke, it had a very uh, European French style mm-hmm. thing with a lot of violin and a lot of accordion. Like accordion, I'm like you never hear accordion in a game soundtrack, so yeah. put more accordion in there. Yeah, a lot of the supporting cast kind of had a, a French like feel to them too. Yeah, especially the inspector. I, I can't remember his name. The sort of bumbling inspector that uh, that Clouseau like character yeah, who, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. you're always sort of one step ahead. Totally. Yeah. So uh, and, and I, I love the game. They're very charming. If I could like sum them up, the the Professor Layton games are charming. They get they get a little out there at times. You know, sometimes it's usually a supernatural element, and then they Scooby Doo it, and it turns out <laughs> I was just a guy in a suit the whole time. Not not to spoil it for you. But uh, now I don't need to play it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, you don't. No, you do. You should play it. Uh, they, they kind of. It's one of those things too, where it's all puzzle based. And as they sort of went through the series, I don't know. They kind of didn't have as good ideas in some of the sequels for some of the puzzles. Some of the puzzles yeah, started right, getting repetitive. Right. But there's quite a few in the series, isn't there? There's a lot. Yeah, yeah. and I, I haven't even played all of them in the series. I played. I played like the first three or four games. Well, now they've I got think, a uh, mashup between it and. Uh, and Phoenix Wright. Phoenix Wright, that's and it, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've beaten that game. See, I kind of skipped a few. I stopped okay. after, like, Arzan Legacy or something like that, or Mask of Miracle, and uh, I went on and I played, because I'm a big fan of Phoenix Wright series too, yeah, which yeah, yeah. we should also talk about, had great music on the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Um, the, uh, but that, that mashup was, it was so goofy. It's like one of those, like, these characters don't really fit together, but we're just going to jam together anyway. And yeah. They gave Phoenix Wright a voice in that, which was kind of fun, and, you know, and, and, that game really went off the rails. Like, I loved it at first, and I think sort of towards the end when the story got so convoluted and out there that I'm like, okay, I can't even suspend disbelief for this game anymore. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Where, they, where they're trying to explain it. They're trying to Scooby-Doo the ending and explain how everything works, but it's like, no, I don't buy this explanation. <laughs> this is all garbage. But Professor Layton and Phoenix Wright are still awesome. So. Yeah. And so my track is um, the theme from Professor Layton and the Curious Village. And I the theme that sort of runs throughout the series.
I imagine because it's the theme, you don't hear it throughout the entire game, and it's not repetitive. It's, it's not repetitive, right? It, but like, start simply piano, violin, and then accordion, and it's it's a little. It's also up tempo, which is weird too. Like after it gets to the main part, so yeah. yeah. Um, I should mention, Aaron actually lent me this game recently, um, and I was on a long trip, and I I plugged it in. And in of all the games you lent me, is actually kind of the one I played the most of. Um, it was a, it's a really cool game. It's just like, you have to be willing to sit there for like an hour on a puzzle and be stuck with it and be okay with that. Not everybody's got the patience for that. So the, as it got harder and harder, I started to, I started to wear a bit on it, but it was a fun game and it's a very unique game. Well, here's the thing about Professor Layton too, is that uh, as you go through the game, hidden throughout the levels are hint coins. So you can find these hint coins yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you can spend them to get, give yourself hints if you're stuck in a puzzle. But, but... If you don't use the hint coins, you, it's better. Like, if you go through the whole level without spending a single hint coin, your save file has, like, a little gold Professor Layton on it, giving you basically a trophy for never, ever using a hint. So I've, every Professor Layton game I've played so far, I've collected every hint coin and never spent a single one. Yeah. Like, that is, that is the thing. Is like, and also, very important, is because it's a puzzle game, I will never look up the answer online. Is you can't because then you're just breaking the game, right? Yeah. So I, I'm. I, it's a point of pride of me that like I've played like the first three or so latent games and I've never spent a hint coin and I've never looked up an answer. Yeah, but yeah, it's just one of those things. Like how willing, how how willing are you to stay frustrated? Yes. Like how long are you willing to stay frustrated before well, you just you either use the hint coin or just look it up online? It's like you know, I, I maybe this is a, a little way out there, but like LucasArts games back in the day where there's these puzzle sort of adventure games, and you'd get to a puzzle, and you'd be stuck on it for a week, right? Yeah. You would walk away from the game, and you'd come back, and you'd try everything, and you'd pre-internet, and you'd walk away from the game, and you'd like be thinking about it in your off time, and you'd generally, you'd even solve puzzles when you're away from the game. It's like, damn, I didn't try that. Now I gotta go and... <laughs> run home at lunch and go try it. Yeah. And that's the thing, is like, even on Professor Layton, it's like, I'd stop playing a puzzle, and I'd still be thinking about it. And then, you know, solve it when I'm like, you wake up in the middle of the night and say, Eureka! Yeah, exactly. I know what to do. Yeah. But uh, a good game and a good track. All right. So we're going to bounce back to me right now uh, because my next pick and my final pick is a DS game again. Um, it's called Banson's Aria, and it comes from Henry, Hen Henry Hatsworth in the Puzzling Adventure. And so this was a this was a game. I don't know how many people played this game. Aaron played it, I got it. I got and Jordan's it. never even heard of it. So I think that's. I'm gonna lend it to you because you should play Henry Hatch. Yeah. So it's it's um it it is kind of one of those games. It's either you played it and you loved it, or you've never heard of it. And I can't remember how I stumbled across it. It might have just been browsing the IGN reviews or or what it was that turned me onto it. But it's a very unique game it's it's, it's hard it's it's extremely hard <laughs> yeah and it, the difficulty curve is out is completely insane yeah. like it goes from oh yeah going along first couple levels blah, blah 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 to i've hit this boss and i cannot beat it i just can't i can't do it i'm i'm gonna have to give up on this game and then you just try and try and try and finally you do it but it's like it is not a linear or even a you know logarithmic yeah. difficulty curve it's it's all over the place and it's weird for people who don't know it's basically an action platformer where you're actually playing this platformer that's quite difficult and it's also a puzzle game so one screen you see the platformer other scene you see the puzzle and this puzzle kind of like fills up as you go and you've got to like switch to the puzzle and then you've got to like do this puzzle thing to like yeah. build up energy and that kind of yeah stuff. so yeah the puzzle like it's it's kind of a match three yeah, puzzle like a 
mastery style puzzle and you can use the puzzles either to um, boost your own stats or you can you can like pause mid attack and it will increase the power of the attack and all sorts of weird things like that so really cool really use the two screens of the ds in a really interesting and different way it's so, really unique that i've never seen anyone try and replicate exactly so in that way it should definitely be uh commended and also it had fantastic music absolutely super cool music all over the place like in the musical realm there's really no single genre you can tie it to it's it's got rock it's got like metal it's got this song that's kind of an op- operatic kind of thing do you know the studio or the composer of this? Uh, yeah, so the composer was a guy named uh, Gene M. Rosenberg and Peter Lehman. Also, like, they co-composed it. And I think, I think, and I really apologize if I'm wrong on this, and I should have looked it up before, but I'm pretty sure Rosenberg was the, the principal composer. Well, if he wasn't, then, you know, you'll hear from the other guy. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll hear this and, 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 and email me angrily, yeah, but... Um, <laughs> but um, Rosenberg, that hack! Yeah. They're both sitting at home listening right now, just <laughs> pounding the table. I would, I'd be so happy if that was true. But um, uh, regardless, um, when I did download this, I did find an official download of this track. Um, you know, it wasn't something I had to try and pull. Um, the composer actually put it up. Now, that's since been taken down. I searched far and wide for it before we recorded this podcast. I couldn't find it again, but I know that I bought it off like a... Um, like a band camp or something like that where I could pull all the tracks in, in whatever flavor I wanted. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of times the actual composer, depending on what deal they have, will post their soundtrack. Exactly, and, and, and he obviously owned it because it was under him. So, but since since been taken down, but it's still out there, you know, you can find it. But um, my personal pick, my favorite track is this, like I said, called Benson's Aria. And what it is, it's one of the boss tracks and it's this kind of like Fabio looking character that you fight and um, he's... Very Italian, and he sings. Long, to you. long flowing hair, that sort of yeah, thing. Like long flowing hair, big open hair, shirt, like, pink, yeah, like giant Johnny Bravo chest. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And uh, and he sings to you while you fight him, which is the craziest thing ever. But it's like it's a great song. It's hilarious, and it has one of my favorite things. Um, I'm Italian, and one of my favorite things in games is when they have like fake gibberish Italian. So the um, Mario and Luigi games have this a lot, like when they're trying, and it's so funny. And this game, uh, or this track, has its actual Italian words. It's like pasta, isn't it? Like he says pasta words. Well, no, he actually just, he says mostly musical words. So he says like staccato and and uh, uh, allegro and adante yeah, like and that kind of thing. But they don't make any sense. Like if you translate it, um, it's just gibberish thrown together that sounds good with with some complete gibberish mixed in just to to make it flow so do you actually know italian uh, i know a bit i know enough to know certain words and i actually had my mom who speaks full italian listen to this and go like does this make any sense and she went no it doesn't make any sense it's just words (laughs) so um, so like but actual musical terms generally yeah, yeah but mostly musical terms and um but yeah so anyway have a listen um benson zaria from henry hatsworth Picture Fabio singing this to you. Yeah, picture yeah, picture Fabio and you've got it. But but more than that, play this game because it's a sweet game.
Well, I, I hope this. I hope the person who's saying this actually was like an operatic Italian singer, who because I can't imagine this recording session. They kept cracking up all the time, and they had to keep stopping or something like that because yeah. well, <laughs> because it's yeah, just I'm nonsense, sure. right? Yeah. How do you because like he's doing this and he's got a good vibrato and all that. Like, how do you seriously sing this and not not laugh, not lose <laughs> yeah. it because it's so ridiculous? No, so yeah, like I could have picked probably five, six other tracks off this game. Like this game had stellar stellar music just and like like i said before like just all over the place like the even and when you switched into the bottom screen you got a different track so mm-hmm. what regardless of what was playing up top what level you were in when you jumped to the bottom track um wasn't it the same tempo though like it was the same it would bring it up and it was like a rock track it was like you know it came in with like almost like a metal track and oh it was awesome yeah. it was great that's one i want to go back to because i it's a shame of mine that i actually haven't beaten I, I got I got uh, stuck yeah. I got stuck I couldn't beat I couldn't beat a boss I got to a level where I tried and tried and tried and I basically gave up because yeah. it was too hard yeah I tried for two it was like about two weeks I tried to beat the same boss and I just I couldn't do it and it wasn't the last boss in the game either yeah, it was either. it was probably I'm guessing it was like three quarters of the way through the game but yeah well, maybe we're stuck at the same boss I need to check my save file but it's just you know it, it's one of those things when I think back in this game I think what a great game now I'm sad that I haven't finished it. Yeah, so. when I think about it, it's like, what a great game. 
God damn it, we're sorry. <laughs> so it's a puzzle game, but what kind of puzzle game is this? It's a match three. So, match like, three. Do you, have you ever played, like, um, the Pokemon Puzzle League or anything Even like bejeweled. that? Bejeweled. Bejeweled. Bejeweled kind of thing. Oh. So just slide slide the blocks and make the colors match. And it's got, But it's it's got gravity. Like, things kind of fall down, right? Yeah. And then you, like, swap things. It's yeah. one of those swapping ones where yeah. you swap, oh, and then like, you match yeah. them, and then they'll fall down, and you can combo them up. That sounds like Yoshi on Nintendo. Yeah, NES. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Flipping and lining things up, yeah. And this guy sings to you while he's building combos. Well, he's he's you're the only one building combos, but like you're you have to do it to like restore health or to increase attack power. And then it's just this is his whole level is kind of has like an Italian vibe. But then if you don't beat the puzzle, it's essentially him beating you in a fight of some kind. Well, it's just the boss battle. This is the music of the boss battle, but it just happens that he's singing during the boss yeah, battle. Yeah. So it's like a standard platformer oh. where Henry Hatsworth has like a sword kind of thing, and you're actually physically fighting him. Cane, I thought he had, I, maybe you can switch weapons. I always thought okay. I had a sword, but maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe he has maybe a cane like or a sword. Type yeah, like British kind of guy, you know, monocle and big handlebar mustache. Oh, yeah. that, that's how Hatsworth is. He wears like a bowler hat kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... Uh, that was that was the thing. It's like the, you're not really fighting in the puzzle thing. It's just sort of you're fighting on the top screen, and you switch to the puzzle to power yourself up, to heal yeah. yourself, to you know. And there's different symbols that are sort of down there, and I think they have different effects for like yeah. whether you're getting power or you're getting health or whatever. Okay. I think right. you can defeat enemies that way. It's been a long time since I've played it. But. Yeah. No, I, I went back and, and played it just for a little bit, just to remind myself of the game and. Um, yeah, you can use them for all sorts of power ups and stuff, and you, and like right. I said, you can. Hmm? He drives a mech at one point. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. The game's all over the place, but wacky, yeah. yeah, but it's a gr- it is a really great game. It's a really fun game. If it wasn't for the insane difficulty curve, it would be it, like. And all they need to do is just shift the levels. Like that's all they would have to do to make it make sense. It's just they didn't like the bosses just don't line up with where you are in that game. So, yeah. but or maybe I just maybe I just sucked at it. <laughs> no, because if you couldn't beat it and I couldn't beat it and we don't suck we're awesome so lend it to me and I'll beat it and I'll two let you know. of the thousands 100% <laughs> but anyway so yeah now, I, I don't know I just I just have these questions about a couple of the games because I didn't really play much of the handheld uh, the last couple generations I played a bit of the DS but more so towards the end of its life cycle yeah. um, like I said I grew up with the Game Boy but I avoided the GBA I didn't really play much of the DS um and i didn't really have a problem with it it was just i was a console gamer and i just looked at handheld gaming a little differently i just didn't you looked down on it i don't know it just wasn't my thing but uh i i brought i brought this up because it's really important that i mention this next game with this context because i'm going to introduce legend of zelda link between worlds for my next pick because it's the game that brought me back into handheld gaming. It was the first game in almost 20 years of handheld gaming that actually made me want to buy the next handheld console. And, you know, layer on top of that the fact that Nintendo was also remaking Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask 3DS. Uh, those, again, the Zelda franchise, best, one of the best franchises ever. And then they take my favorite game of all time, A Link to the Past, and make this new game, A Link Between Worlds. Uh, my jaw hit the floor. I had to get it. Yeah, it's, it's a fan service game. It's basically, you like Absolutely. Link to the Past? Here you go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have played through the whole game. Uh, my pick for this, for this album, for this game, uh, is Low Rural Castle. 
Now, if you haven't played the game, I don't know. I, I don't know if I should say spoiler, spoiler alert, <laughs> but I'm going to talk about it anyways. If you're listening to a video game podcast here. We're going to talk about the end of the game here. So uh, Low Rural Castles, the final, the final level of the game. And this song, like, like other songs I picked in the past, the song progresses with you as you play through the level. So as you listen to this song, picturing, picture in your head that you're progressing through the level knowing that when you get to that boss door, you're having the final showdown of the whole game. Yeah. This song builds up perfectly to that moment. And they, there's a bit of a tip of the hat to the Link to the Past franchise and a few other Zelda games because layered in this song as well, not only is this song great, but they also just layer in a bit of Ganon's theme. So you know you're playing the last level, you get a little bit of this Ganon you know, theme playing subtly in the background. It really builds up the, the feeling that you get like something serious is about to happen. It is, it is. It reminds you, you're, you're the hero of time, you're about to have your moment. Let's get in there and kick some butt. Let's take a listen.
There are actually a couple songs from this game I wanted to pick, but when I came back to this song and heard it again, unlike all the other songs, this one instantly put me back in the moment of playing the game. All the other songs, I was just thinking, this is a great song, it was a great game, but when I re-listened to this song, I immediately remember the rush I had knowing I'm going through the last level. This has to be the last level. When I knock down this door, I know what I'm going to find on the other side. It's going to be the last boss of the game. It's funny you mention that because I, I listened to your tracks in advance, like just today, sort of in the background, and I had the same the same feeling. Is yeah. like I hadn't really thought much because it was a while ago. I, I played uh, Link Between Worlds when it first came out. And I, I beat it fairly quickly. I ran through it very, fairly quickly. And then I was done. I kind of put it aside. And I didn't think about it much. And, but listening to the song like, immediately brought me back. And thought, like, yeah, that, yes. was, that was good. Remember, remember playing that last castle and how that feeling? And I'm sure, I'm sure I was just smiling like an idiot the whole time I was like, going through that, too. Yeah. You know, it's one of those moments where you're just so happy to be there. It's, yeah, like even aside from hearing some, familiar, some familiarity with the Ganon theme, just subtly put in there, there's a bit of nostalgia in there too. There's just something about this song that um, because of the way it builds up, reminds you a bit of the journey you've gone through to get to this point. Yeah, I haven't played this game. I actually don't have a 3DS yet, uh, to, my, to my great shame, but just listening to this track, it's so, it's like, this is so much a Zelda track. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's got that, it's got that intensity in that build, but in it also has, um, it's almost got like a, I want to say like a playfulness or a childishness, like, and it's yeah, not, yeah. not, not in any way derogatory, but. Like, it's like, there's going to be an upbeat version of this song, but this is the, uh, you know, this is the minor key version. This is the, this is the downbeat version. Totally, this is yeah, the one totally. that like. But yeah, it's kind of, it's light. It's not like. Not super aggressive, like anything like a God of War, like we played last time or anything like that. But but still very intense, and and you can yeah. think about you know going, you know you can always hear like ah, like as he spins his sword and yeah, heroic, absolutely. It's funny, it's funny that you bring up God of War because the song does start off playful like that because you're at the beginning of the level. Okay. But by the time you get to the end of the level yep. and you're ready to kick down that door, this part of the song starts to become more triumphant, and it kind of reminded me of your God of War pick from okay. last episode. So here's the Ganon part. You can. Yeah, yeah. And like nowhere in the game do they. Again, I apologize because you haven't played that's it. That's okay. That's okay. But, um, but we're, we have to talk about it. Yeah, no. We nowhere in the game do they mention Ganon, and you hear this, and you don't necessarily think Ganon, but you remember this is near the end of Link to the Past. Yeah. This is like the boss music. And you remember, like, it, one thing it reminds me of is, like, Nintendo did a good job of building up to those fights, especially in, like, uh, in Ocarina of Time where you're climbing that last staircase. Yeah. And it's just playing, it's playing that theme, and it's very slow. It's like, do, 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 do. Yes. And you're just going up the, that long, long, long you don't, staircase. You don't know what's at the top yeah. of the staircase, but at the same time, your emotions are telling you what's at the top. Yeah, because, the like, there's no enemies in there. There's nothing in there. You're just, you're climbing, and you know at the end of that hallway staircase there's going to be a door and through that door is destiny right oh, <laughs> destiny. Yeah. through that door is destiny that's a that's a box quote right there buddy yeah yeah and it's got like and i i was trying to mention this but just the instruments sound really good and like it's got the big brass and the marching yeah. and the snare drum and that kind of stuff yeah. like the 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 trumpets that are actually playing the theme and that kind of stuff it kind of reminds me of another track that i really like which uh from the super nintendo game from like chrono trigger it's got the guardia castle theme it's got this sort of like marching kind of theme and it's a, a little bit brassy in places. And 
It just kind of reminds me of that. It's, it's very her, heroic, triumphant. It makes you kind of want to stand up and march around. I think the term you used before, heroic, is, is the perfect term. I think that's the perfect term. Yeah. Got to save the princess. Yeah. It makes you want to, like... You got to be the hero. It's the, it's the call to arms. It makes you want to jump out of your chair and grab your sword, which is just all of a sudden by your side, and yeah, be like, it's time to save someone. Yeah, yeah. Which is the story of Link in every game, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. You know, I'm coming back a little bit to what we were talking about before. was uh, uh, to, just to introduce my next piece here. These were talking about, like, 2D and sprite work and that kind of thing. And, you know, one thing I have to say about the company that made my next game, the game is in the Shantae series. It's the latest one. It's Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. From WayForward, and this I played it on the 3DS. It's available also on the PC, and it's available on the Wii U as well. But WayForward is one of those companies that has, I don't know if it's the same artist. I think uh, on a lot of games it was the same artist, but their sprite work is unparalleled, consistently at the top of their game. I think their first game was like on the Game Boy Color, and it was like Wendy the Witch, like Casper the Friendly Ghost's friend, Wendy oh. the Witch. <laughs> like this simple, simple game, yeah. and then like that was their first game. And even though it was like simple on the Game Boy Color, it stood out as just having like like very simple sprite work, but really well done, really good animation. And then their their big follow up game, which is their original IP, Shantae, was this game. It's about this genie who's half genie, half human, half genie, and so she defeats her enemies with the powers of dancing, which is a awesome. thing. And so you've got this belly dancer character. Yeah. And even in the first game, it's like it's also Game Boy Color, very simple. It came out in two thousand and two. So, but. The animation and the sprite work is just awesome for its time. You and they've really good job of oh, yeah. all their sprites. Oh, way for yeah, as yeah. always. And Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, the latest one, is absolutely no exception. Like it is all sprite based, and the backgrounds are just gorgeous, and the sprites themselves are gorgeous. Like um, the character of Shantae and her nemesis Risky Boots are <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the pirate risky boots. But uh, they, they, like, they look fantastic. They look awesome, and they're tiny on the screen, but like dancing in like, different costumes and yeah. the amount of... So not, not only uh, like beautiful sprite work, but beautifully animated, like the motion. Yeah. yeah. There was like a moment where all of the characters are together in the game, and they're like standing side by side, and they're all doing their idling animation. I just kind of had to stop, and I even like took a, like a recording of it on my phone, because I'm like, look at them just idling. Like That is really yeah. well yeah. done. One of my favorite way forward games as far as uh, the aesthetic is uh, A Boy and His Blob on yeah. the Wii. It's a very slow paced puzzle platformer game, but because of how, how slow the action is, and I don't say that in a bad way, it's actually really well paced. Um, they have a lot more frames of beautifully drawn sprite work to make up for that slow moving, uh, realistic action. Kind of yeah. like the old um, Prince of Persia type type games where they had uh, a lot of frames of animation to complete a very simple movement. Yeah, and I have to say about that Boy in the Blob remake uh, is actually getting a re-release, like, soon. Wow. Very soon. I, I, I can't remember if it's on PC or if it's on one of the newer consoles. I think, I think, it's, it's, I think it's actually out on PC. It, it, it might, might be, but I had read an article recently about the fact they were just releasing this remake because it was before a Wii exclusive, right? Oh, okay. So now it is coming out on other, I don't know, other system or systems, but they're oh, doing that. And also, going back to our point about how I wish you could howl in Zelda and blowing the whistle is also really awesome is that Boy in the Blob did something like that that I absolutely love best part of the game was the fact that anytime you could just stop and hug the blob or 
Yeah. You could scold him. Or you could scold, scold him. him. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I don't think I could bring that myself blob. to scold him. The blob was adorable, but, you, you but I did stop and hug him all the time. Doesn't matter who you are as a person. If you play that game and you hug the blob, you can't help but get all mushy inside. Yeah, yeah. it's like you you melt a little bit. You yeah. can't help it. Like just he. Jordan's heart grew three sizes that yeah. day. <laughs> but yeah, I actually haven't played to go wrap it back to Shante. I haven't played the Shante games, but I have seen the sprite work, and it is yeah. stellar. Now there are currently three games in the Shante series. There's the Half Genie Hero, which was the first. There is uh, shoot, I can't remember the name of the second one. I, I did play it fairly recently. What I did is they're all on the Virtual Console on the 3DS. Immediately after I beat, um, immediately after I beat um, Shante and the Pirate's Curse. I downloaded the first two games, yeah. and I played through. I, I played them backwards, so I played the second one. Three, two, one. I played the second one, also a very awesome game, and then I tried playing one, and one is goddamn impossible. Like it is hard as hell. I don't know if I could go back. I, I didn't beat it. I couldn't get very far. It wow. takes you a million hits to kill even the simplest enemies. Like oh, it is, oh. it's it's great for its time, yeah. and it's really sort of cool at like the whole belly dancing mechanic and all of that. But uh, they figured things awesome. out. They figured things out yeah. along the way. And there's, and there's a new Shantae yeah. game coming out as well um, that actually is. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was kickstarted or not, but it's different. It's not a sprite-based game. It's more like a hand-drawn game. It reminds me more of the aesthetic of a boy and his blob. So I'm looking forward to that one because the Shantae series is a great series. And honestly, of all the ones I played, Pirate's Curse is the pinnacle of the series. Just so good. And about my track, a few more things I just want to mention is that uh, I know I talked in the last podcast, I talked to Jake Kaufman, who's, who's known as Vert online, yeah. and he's, does, he's been doing a lot of work. He's done a lot of work over the years for WayForward. He actually, I think, was part of their staff at one point, but he, uh, he did like the DuckTales remastered stuff and all that kind of stuff, and so he did the music for Shantae as well, the whole Shantae series. He also did the music for Shovel Knight, which we might have mentioned at some, at some point as well. Yeah, so. I think we yep. yeah. But uh, he, this song, the song I picked, which is called uh, We Love Burning Town, is from the original Shantae. So it's one that appears in the original oh, okay. 2002 Game Boy Color version. And I've, and yeah, and I've recently listened to it. And it is actually amazing how similar it is to this one. Like this one, obviously, way more, intri- like way more uh, fidelity and it's way like high, the, yeah, the, the quality is much higher and more instruments, that kind of stuff. And it's, it's really good. But you go back and listen to the original and everything is kind of there, just in the very, very simple Game Boy Color yeah, kind so of way. Yeah, it went from like simple chip tune. Well, that's that's the Jake Kaufman way, though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like he's he's remixing his own song and just doing it in such an awesome way. So uh, yeah, so this is "We Love Burning Town" from Shantae and the Pirates Curse.
Now has uh, has Jake Kaufman been with been making music since the Game Boy Color? Did he make the original? This he, he did the music. Yes, he okay. did do the music on Shantae. Which I don't know was probably like I don't know if he was with WayForward before that. Maybe he was doing. Uh, maybe he did the Wendy the Witch game too. I don't know. But uh, yeah, he is. Uh, he's been with WayForward since like the earliest games. So. Yeah, this is um, this track. Yeah, brings to mind a term we used a ton in the first episode of this podcast, which was funky. Yeah. This is this is a funky track. It's like this is like funky Middle Eastern, like funky yeah. Prince of Persia. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's if you if you took all the characters from Prince of Persia and threw them in a disco, it'd be like, yeah, yeah Shantae dudes. <laughs> and that's you know that's the thing is like Shantae is this like she's this sexy kind of character, yeah. this belly dancer. Yeah. It's all very Persian inspired because she's a genie and it's, it's you know Burning Town itself. Like we love Burning Town. There's actually this town where like all these people in like turbans live and okay. pants and the pointy shoes and it's very stereotypical like Arabian Nights kind of stuff, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But you know. And then it's got that, you're right, that very Prince of Persia, Arabian Nights kind of tone to the, all the music, but done in a modern way, danceable. Yeah, I, I, even though I haven't played it, I can picture Shanti dancing to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna, and that's a game I'm going to play again. Like, I went through the whole thing, but I'm going to play it again because it was so good. All right. Yeah, all right. So that is all our picks. So something we're doing new this, this podcast, starting this podcast, is uh, we're going to have the and we're going to continue this forward. The last track we're going to play is going to be a fan submitted track. So um, how do you submit a song, you ask? I was going to ask that. Were oh. you going to ask? Yeah. All right, well, I'll tell you. Uh, well, you just write it on a piece of paper, and you ball it up, and you throw it at your window, and it'll get to us somehow. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Message in a bottle. Yeah. Carrier uh, pigeon. Carrier, carrier pigeon. Exactly. Yeah, yeah carrier yeah. pigeon. Stuff. But even better than all those options is um, uh, at the last week of every month, so we're going to, try and post this monthly at the start of every month. And the week leading up to that, I'm going to post a tweet about the topic for the next show. And what's our Twitter name? Our Twitter is the same as our podcast, VGM Generations, at VGM Generations. So what you do is you hop on Twitter, reply to that post uh, with your pick, and uh, we'll listen to everything and pick our favorite and then play it here for you. So... We and we will do our best to get the theme of the next one out to give you guys time. Yes, yeah. So I, I, I said a week. I might, you know, I might yeah. try and do it. If we decide earlier, we'll do it earlier. Because yeah. we'll, I want to get as many submissions as possible. Just so. follow us on Twitter. Stay tuned. We'll, you know, we'll do a shout out to, you know, give us, give us your picks, you know. Follow Absolutely. us and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get that figured out. Yeah. So this month's fan pick uh, comes from uh, a friend of mine, Scott Pam Hember. Uh, he's Kami K on Twitter, so K-A, oh no, sorry, Carney K, I'm sorry, uh, K-A-R-N-I-K-E-H on Twitter, and he's chosen uh, the track called Factory Fortress from a game called Monster Tail, and this is actually a great follow-up to um, Shantae, because um, in a bunch of reviews I read for this game, and in my personal opinion, they say, outside, like, besides Shantae, this game has the best sprite work on the DS. So um, it's, a, it's a beautiful game, it's, and it has a great soundtrack uh, by a composer named Ian Stalker, who's actually gone on now to create his own games and write the music for him. So, you know, guys had a really successful career. And also a pertinent pick for the podcast because it, the game, in a lot of ways, seems to be kind of a love letter to gaming and, and multiple generations of games in itself, um, there's like 
a little bit of Castlevania in there. There's a little bit of Metroid in there. There's a little bit of Pokemon in there. When I first and, listened to it, I immediately thought of Castlevania. Yeah, and yeah. there's a there's a little bit of Mega Man in there. So it's kind of a platformer with some Pokemon elements, mm-hmm. with some you know Metroidvania. Go back yeah. as you get power ups, explore new areas. Um, I was just on this track, you know, I definitely, I also got the Castlevania vibe, and it was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of castlevania this is kind of cool. And then there's a point, and I can't, I should have gra- grabbed the time code where mm-hmm. it actually kicks in. And you'll probably know it when you hear it, but I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good, it's pretty good. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that, now this song is awesome. Like, right at this point, yeah, yeah, yeah. this it song almost, just got awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beat just dropped. Yeah, the beat just dropped. And it's like a new instrument comes in, and it's just, you know, it, it, suddenly, it suddenly captured me. Yeah, so um, uh, I actually played this game a little bit. Um, leading up just so I had just a, a taste of it so I could talk about it a little more uh, with a little more intelligence, but um, I'm going to finish it. Like just the, just the little bit I played, you know, got me hooked. So um, sure, what was that on? it's on DS. Yeah. It's an original DS, uh, not, not 3DS, but you can play it on your 3DS because backwards yeah. compatibility is great. So, uh, so uh, thanks to Scotty. And without further ado, here is Factory Fortress from Monster Tale.
Like the intro, that's Castlevania all over it. Oh yeah, I know. There, yeah, Castlevania's written all over that intro. Yeah, just I don't know, just that tone is like, I guess it's organ. What would you call like that sound? Like what? Are they I wouldn't even I wouldn't even call it organ. It, it's like specific to chip chip tunes, right? It's yeah. It's just like a wave type. It's like, not even an instrument, right? It's just yeah. like a wave type. Yeah. But this whole thing, like though that Pete, those little staccato notes. Yeah. Like okay. that's yeah. It sounds like Konami wrote this. Like with all our picks today, though, it's it it goes along with the game so well. Like it so blends with the game. So, in fact, it's so Castlevania-like. If I play it and it's not like Castlevania to play, I'll be disappointed. Oh no, it is. It very much is. Like I, if you play it, I think you'll like it. Yeah. I think yeah. Oh, I'm sure I would. It's weird, but I'd never heard of it. Me either. Actually, I hadn't heard of it either. And it, you know, it rated well. People liked it. It it's a good like it's a good looking, good sounding. Yeah. Great game, but it, I don't know. It just didn't get a lot of, a lot of um, publisher support, I suppose. Which is weird, because, I mean, like, I was heavily into DS news during that time. Like, any article, yeah, I would, no, I would eat it up. Too. It's weird that this one escaped me. I'm sure that I read, like, a million headlines on it, or however, how often it was reported. But I'm sure people were saying that it was great, but I just ignored them. Maybe it was the generic name. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. You thought maybe it was shovelware just based it, it, on Yeah, it didn't capture me, because maybe it just sounded a bit shovelware-esque. Didn't have a very catchy name like uh, Henry Hatsworth in the Puzzling Adventure. Yeah, yeah, that's that is one thing that game had going for it. Was that's a great name. Yeah. All right, so finally the wrap up the show. Uh, just like last time, we're gonna go through what we've been playing. Uh, personally, I've been playing Halo Online, which is a it's kind of a fan created Halo Three Online version. So it's so totally on on PC. I'm pretty sure it's not legal. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, the cops haven't come knocking yet. But <laughs> but it's some... I think it's a Russian guy who created it because for some reason the Halo intro was now in Russian. So I'm guessing it's Russian created. But um, uh, Halo 3 was uh, absolutely one of my most played games of that generation, especially the online. Um, I got really deep into it. I loved it. And it's just... Uh, it's bringing back all that nostalgia. I'm still playing Rocket League a little bit. Not as much. It's just... It's one of those games where if you fall out of it, your skill level drops... And as soon as you go back in, you're just unhappy because you're not as good as you were before. Play any online competitive. Yeah, exactly. So you gotta, you kind of, you're, you're either in it or you're not. So, so that's what I've been playing. Well, I've been playing, uh, actually, I've only really had time to be playing handheld, which is very appropriate for this episode. Um, just finished Ocarina of Time on the 3DS. Going back to, I'm playing a game called Code of Princess right now. Kind of on and off. Uh, yeah, that's really about it. I might, uh, I might start looking for new titles to play on the 3DS. I've been playing a game called Westerado. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a title, it's from Adult Swim Games, and I guess it was a Flash game. Wow, okay. It was an online Flash game, and then they yeah. decided to do... I was going like, to say, do they do anything but Flash games? Yeah, yeah, and it w- was a Flash game, but it was like so robust for a Flash game that they expanded it out. They did a, a sort of a, fall, they redid it, remastered it, did it like widescreen, did it as a standalone so you can get on Steam and they called it Westerado Double Barreled. And it's basically a mashup of every Western trope, mainly like Clint Eastwood kind of stuff. In fact, the, the first 
town um, that you go to is called Clintsville, and there's a statue of the mayor, and his name is like, and you go to like East Clintsville or something like that. So it's, it's, and you even like, you go to the cemetery in the north part of the town, and it's basically the cemetery from the end of The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. It's like that circular design where they have the big showdown if you've seen The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. So it's, it's every Western trope, every Clint Eastwood thing, and you're this character who's out for revenge. And it's all done in like this sub 8 bit style. So it's not, it's a, it's a mashup. So like the sun is perfectly round and the lighting is really cool, but you're this character that looks like you'd be right at home in an Atari or Coleco kind of game. Yeah. And then, so it's, it's all sprite work and it looks, it's, it's not even NES. It's like Atari. Yeah. I was going to say Atari, like very blocky, not very even, blocky, not blocky. even sprites, just blocks almost. Yeah, just blocks. blocks. Yeah. But it's despite imagination awesome required. It's like awesome, awesome Western atmosphere. There's like scorpions and cacti and you shoot bottles off of things. And um, just, just to get into this a little deeper, it's like, I can't believe how deep it is for a Flash game. So your family's murdered, essentially. You're, you're buffalo ranchers, and your family's murdered, and you're out for revenge. You've got to, yeah, it's basically, you've got to find the killer who killed your family. And uh, so you go out, and it's kind of a whodunit. So you go out, and you do, do quests for people. You, like, help buffalo ranchers. You help the oil tycoon. You help the townspeople. You round up the town drunk. You play poker, that kind of stuff. And people will give you clues as to who the murderer is. He's like, well, he had an edged hat and he had like, you know, a short hat or a big gold belt buckle or something like that. Can you see any of these things? Well, it's funny because they're like, they're the only defining things. Like you get the impression of a bandana. He had a black jacket. He had light slacks, that kind of thing, like his his pants kind of thing. But anyway, and you gather these clues so you can identify the killer and the killer is random. Like every time you play the game, it's going to be a different person. And neat thing is you have conversations with characters and at any time during a conversation, you can pull out your gun. And it's like three actions to actually fire your gun. One is to draw your gun, then you push another button to cock it, and then that fu- button again to fire. So anytime you want to shoot, you've got to do this three-step action. So you can actually draw your gun in the middle of any conversation. You want to intimidate somebody, you pull your gun on them. They're not fully intimidated, you cock your gun. And then you maybe, uh, may, then maybe they'll listen, or maybe they'll just won't help you after that. You know, maybe, yeah, maybe you went too far. The different branching paths in it for like how how it works. Like you can go in any direction. It's like you, I couldn't complete the side quest because the rancher wants me to go and round up the other ranchers so he can start this franchise, but I can't because when I went and talked to this one rancher before I met you, he challenged me to a gunfight just out of the blue. I shot him dead. So, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, this other rancher wants me to go hire the other ranchers. So I'll go back to his farm. Maybe he's respond. I'm thinking video game logic, right? So yeah. I go back there yeah. and there he is still lying in a pool of blood on the ground. So, oh. all right. So much, for that so much for that quest. And, but it's one of those ones that I'm probably going to go back and play a few times. I guess it's got like multiple endings and it's, it's really cool. One of those, you know. You gotta, your brother is mortally wounded and you gotta like shoot him to put him out of his misery. And you know, Western games, other than like Red Dead Redemption and maybe Gun way back in the day, yeah. they're kind of few and far between. And I'm a sucker for an interesting Western game. And since this is a music podcast, music in it is awesome. Like, it's not retro style, it's not chiptune, but it's like did very. Did they have any old, what's his name, any old Marcone? Yeah, yeah, uh, come and compose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's totally like that. And it's like, you know. You can imagine like whips and yas in the, in the kind of background and like, you know, ha- like harmonica kind of stuff. Old school, super old school graphics, but, but modern, 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 sound. modern sound. So it's, it's, that's what I've been playing lately. And um, also just because I'm going to spend all the time in the world just talking about games. I'm also playing, and I'll keep this one shorter, is I'm also playing a game called Hammerwatch. It's a gauntlet inspired game. So it's sort of a top down gauntlet clone. So multiplayer dungeon crawler where, you know, where you're a ranger or an elf or a wizard and you know, you need food badly, otherwise you die. So. 
Collecting planks and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, collecting planks. It's important. <laughs> All right, so ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the second episode of VGM Generations. Remember to post your suggestions for songs for next month's podcast on Twitter at VGM Generations. And if you want to contact us, the email, very simple again, is vgmgenerations at gmail.com. So until next time. Mm-hmm.